Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I want to help you this weekend by stretching your faith. I want to talk about expansive faith. I want you to live an expansive faith. And I'm bringing you this message for a couple of reasons. First of all is if you have watched the news over the last three days, four days, five days, or six months, honestly, it just seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. And there's a trend in our culture that uh, really, I, I don't know, maybe COVID accelerated it, maybe it caused it, I'm not really sure. But when bad things start happening, we start shrinking back, you know. Do you do this when you get bad news? Maybe it's your personality that, you know, when, when things aren't going your way, you just kind of shrink back and, well, maybe I just stop showing up. Maybe I just, maybe I won't go. Maybe I just won't go to the office party, you know, because I don't know and what's going on. And maybe we just will kind of hold tight to what, what we got. And maybe I want really, uh, you know, the economy's bad. Maybe this is not a good time to, to stretch or start a business or do anything. And I want to tell you today, that God desires for you to have an expansive, big, deep, and wide faith. Say amen to that. It is not God's will for you to live with less. It's God's will for you to have more passion, more joy, more contentment, more peace, more blessing. It's God's will for you to live a big life. Shout amen to that. And what you live isn't determined by where you came from. So many people have limiting beliefs in their life. Things that they think, well, because of this, I can't have that. I grew up in a real small town in eastern Arkansas. There's nothing there but cotton fields and us, my family. It was, it's depressed. It's, it's uh, backwoods. I can say that. If you're not from Arkansas, you can't. And we married our cousins. I didn't, but other people did. This is a true story. This is a tr- I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you this a little bit, but not really. Uh, my great-great-grandparents have the same last name. That's all I'm going to tell you on both sides. Anyways, so I'm just telling you it was a small place. It was a small town. And I remember as a young boy thinking, man, i got to get out of here. And everybody had to get Anybody from a small town? You know what the feeling of like, i got to get out. i got to get out of this place. If I can ever get out of here and if I can ever. But some people, unfortunately, because they were born in small, they stay in small. I don't just mean the size of your town. You may be born in a small thinking family. You may have been born in a family full of negativity and limiting and always telling you what you can't have. And this is the way it'll always be. And God can't really bring you out of this. And you'll never really go beyond where we are. Nobody ever finished college. And nobody's a preacher in our family. And nobody started their own business. There's no authors in our family. There's no way you could ever break out of this. And I'm here to tell you today, God desires you to live a big, blessed, large, abundant life. Shout amen to that. Jesus said it like this in John 10 and 10. The thief comes for three reasons. Only to steal and kill and destroy God's plan for your life. But Jesus said, I have come that you don't just have eternal life, but that you have a full life. Two different lives there. Matter of fact, one translation says, I've come that you have life 
and that more abundant. Two, two kinds of life. One's eternal. I've always found it interesting. Nobody struggles with God giving you eternal life. But Jesus said, I don't just want you to have eternal life. I want you to have e abundant life on the earth. I don't just want you to go to heaven. I don't want you to have to live through hell. And I've met Christians, not y'all, but at 9 o'clock, tons of them. I've met Christians who are satisfied with being on their way to heaven and living in hell. And I want to break you out of that. I want you to have an expansive, big, on the inside, growing, believing, dreaming, vision-laden kind of life. Shout amen to that. If you don't like vision preaching, you're going to hate today and you're probably going to hate this church because I never want you to be a settling kind of people. I want you to be a forward movement, always marching, taking territory, growing, following after God, expanding the kingdom, dreaming for more, having vision for your life. I want you to have a full life, and it's probably because of how I was raised. I was raised in church. Where's all the... Kids who were raised in Sunday school. Let me see you. Y'all sit up front. You, all the heathens are in the back. I started this church for heathens, so I'm glad you're here. I really, But we didn't have kids ministry. We had Sunday school. Come on, somebody. Sundays. I always hated it called Sunday school because I hated Tuesday school. You know, like I didn't, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to school on Sunday, but we had in Sunday school, and we would sing in Sunday school. We would do... Matter of fact, your kids are doing it right now in elementary because I, I love it. They're singing and dancing on the stage, and we would sing Father Abraham. You remember this? Can you do the motions? Don't. Don't. I just wanted to know. And then, and then we would sing, he's got the whole world. He's got the whole Sing the whole thing. In his hands, he's got In The sinners don't know it. The whole world in his hand. And real Christian people saying, he's got you and me. Hey! All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all the heathens are like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I grew up thinking, God's got the whole world in his hands. God can do anything. I grew up in a faith kind of church preaching just like this. It's why it comes out of me because it was so much poured into me that God can do anything. Anything's possible with God. Anything can happen when God is in it. But the problem is the longer you live, the smaller God gets. Let me say it better this way. Life teaches you to expect less out of God. Life tells you that because of this setback, you shouldn't expect anything more. Because of this problem that you face, because of that one divorce, because of that bad decision, because of that college experience, because of that business that went bankrupt, because of that father who walked out, because of that mother who abandoned you, because of that miscarriage in your 20s, that you should expect less from God. Don't really believe God for any more because you'll just get hurt. Don't really expand your mind and your faith anymore because you're just setting yourself up for failure. Life teaches you that, oh yeah, it sounds good as a kid, but when you're grown, I don't know if he really has the whole world in his hands. And I've come unapologetically to look you in the eyes today on the last Sunday of June and tell you he still has the whole world in his hands. He still has the whole world 
in his hands. He still has, listen to me, your whole world in his hands. He's a big God. He can do big things. He has big plans for you. He is not through with you. I'm going to preach it till you believe it. God is not finished with your life. Your life isn't over in this one divorce. Your life did not fold just because you had to sell the house. God isn't through with you. You need to believe again, dream again, hope again, trust again, love again, and expand your faith in God who still has the world in his hands. We serve a big God that created everything. Hebrews actually says that by faith we believe that the universe was formed at God's command. I have a tw- uh, two children. I have a seven-year-old little boy who loves space and all things space. And we watched the Dragon spacecraft from Elon Musk connect to the International Space. Did you watch this? I tell that story, and I'm a little worried that he's the Antichrist. Anyway, but <laughs> if he is, forget this message. But. But we loved watching it. We watched it on YouTube, and it was amazing. And my kid loves space. And I started, we read about it, and we talk about it all the time. I started reading about the universe and how big it is. And our galaxy alone, the Milky Way, there are approximately 300 billion stars that we know of. There are 200 planets outside of our solar system of nine. There are hundreds of billions of other galaxies. There are hundreds of billions of stars in each of those hundreds of billions of galaxies. If you counted the stars that you could see with your naked eye, every second you counted a new star, just in our galaxy it would take you 2,500 years to count the stars you could see with your eye. And with that in mind, With the God who knew the names of every star he created in every galaxy he flung. God shows up on the scene in the life of a man named Abraham. And in Genesis 22, 17, he says, I will surely bless you and I'll make your descendants as the stars in the sky. God has bigger plans for you than you could possibly imagine. God has bigger thoughts about you than you could possibly imagine. God has bigger dreams for you than you could possibly imagine. God has more in store for your life. This isn't the end of the road. You're not at the end of your hope. Write it down like this if you're taking notes. I want you to think big about God's plan. As a matter of fact, I probably should have said this. I want you to think bigger about God's plan. I want you to think bigger about God's plan for you. God isn't thinking small. God's thinking stars in the sky. God's not limiting your life, not limiting your healing, not limiting your relationships, not limiting your potential, not limiting your purpose. God is thinking bigger than you are about your life. And God shows up in the life of Abraham. And he said, I'm going to turn you into a great nation and I'm going to bless you. And when I bless you, your name is going to be great and you're going to be a blessing for generations. Let me pause here and tell you and remind you that when God gives you anything, He doesn't just give it to you for you. Everything God gives you, He gives you so you'll leverage it for others. Let me say it like this. You are blessed to be a blessing. 
Abraham, I'm going to put my hand on you. I'm going to put my name on you. I'm going to put my life. On your hand will come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. On your family, the descendants will be as numerous as stars in the sky and sands in the sea. And Abraham didn't say, oh goody, I get to buy a new car. I get to buy a bigger house. I get to buy a ranch. I get to do more. I get to get a boat. We get to get jet skis. I can't believe God's blessed me with all this. I get, to, I get to show off. I get to tell everybody. Immediately, God says, by the way, just so you know, when I put my hand on you and bless you, I'm doing it so you'll be a blessing. Everything I have comes from God. And everything I have is for others. You are blessed to be a blessing. The talent you have, it's not just for you. If you can sing or play an instrument or love people or have an administrative gift or God's called you as an entrepreneur, maybe as an author, or God's put something special on the inside of you for, for education or as a photographer, God's put his hand on you as a woodworker, as a carpenter. He didn't give you that gift just for you. He gave you that gift thinking, what can I do with what I've been given? When you and I get to heaven, we have to answer the question, not only what you do with Jesus, but what would you do with what Jesus put in your hand? What did I do with the blessings of God that I got? This new job isn't just for me. It's for others. This new promotion isn't for me. It's so I can reach more people. This new blessing God gave me, this bigger house, isn't just for us. It's for bigger small groups to join at my house. This backyard isn't just for us. It's so I can bless the neighborhood kids that don't have what I have. Are you following what I'm saying? He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but the blessing is not just for you. It's for others. And then God starts preparing his heart. Has God ever told you something and then you have to take time to process what God told you? Just me? God ever asked you to do something and you're like, oh, that's cute, God. That's neat. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's real special. Me. God, I think you, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm John, not... Not Juan, you know. Como se dice, wrong guy. Oh, 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 God, you, oh, you want to bless me. Oh, that's, that's neat. Matter of fact, Abraham and his wife Sarah laugh at God. You ever laughed at God? I have. Oh, that's, that's funny. You want me to leave this good job and start a church? I don't even know how to say Bernie. It's spelled weird. I don't even like schnitzel. Are you with me, everybody? Oh, you, uh, uh, and Abraham and Sarah laugh. Oh, you, oh I'm going to be the father of many nations. And they laugh and say, well, you must have forgot we don't have no kids. And we're old. Now, Abraham didn't say he was old. He said, Sarah's old. Abraham's like, I still got it. But mama's old, okay? And they wrestle back and forth. And God's trying to expand his faith. God's trying to grow his confidence. And they wrestle. And the conclusion of the matter is Genesis 18 and 4. The Lord said to Abraham, I love how he talks about himself in third person, is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
And I would ask you today, as you wrestle with this idea, that you can get out of this situation. That you will walk out of addiction one day. That God will deliver your family. That God will give you children of your own. That God will bless your life. That God will fix your marriage. That God will give you a spouse. When you're struggling to believe, I'll ask you the same question God asked Abraham. Is there anything too hard? For the Lord, I don't know what you're facing today that would try to contain you and hold you back and make you big, believe small and put God in a box, but don't put limits on your life where God hasn't put them. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Shout amen. There's nothing. Jesus followed up what his father had said 2,000 years earlier to Abraham. Luke 18 and 27, Jesus said, What's impossible with men is possible with God. If you keep trying to find your answer in men, you're going to keep running into the dead end of impossibility. Well, I can't go any further. I don't see any other way. I don't know. Maybe I'll go this way. And you keep chasing uh, solutions on your own and fighting it on your own. And I'm a, I'll just read more books. I'll just do more stuff. I'll, just, I'll give more. I'll, I'll show up more. Maybe it'll happen that way. And you keep trying to do it in your own strength. And if you keep trying to do it in your own strength, you always end up at impossible. But what is impossible with men is possible with God. That's why i got to get you to expand your faith in the plans that God has for you. God has plans for your children. God has big plans, and so should you. Why would you insult God with small vision? Why would you insult this big God with small faith and small believing and small generosity and small faith in, in what God wants to do in your life. Why would you insult? Listen, if it's intimidating to you, it's just the right fit for God. If it's, God, this is impossible. I don't know how we're going to do it. God says, wait, just, just invite me in and let me show you what I can do. God, I can't ever trust again. Oh, yeah. God, I can't ever give that much. Oh, yeah. God, I can't ever start my own business. Oh, yeah, just invite me into the prompt. God, I can't ever write that book. Oh, yeah, just invite me. God, I, I'm too timid. I'm too scared. I don't talk well. I, I, there's no way I could be. Oh, yeah, God's got big plans for you, and you better buckle up and have big plans. The first instructions God gave humanity. There are only two people in the Garden of Eden at this time, a man and a woman. I thought I should tell you that. There's a man and a woman there. Two people in the whole earth. Only two. And God, the first command He gives is Genesis 1.28. He does not say, enjoy. He does not say, have fun. He does not say, play nude volleyball on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. They could have. You know, they didn't have clothes. He says to them, be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Rule over the earth. Not the Garden of Eden. The earth. And take dominion. God, I feel what I'm preaching to you. He told two people. Now listen, they didn't have Netflix, so they had more time on their hands. 
but it's still hard for two people to fill the earth. Are you with me on that, everybody? It's hard for two people to do it. But God said, you're thinking small. You're thinking smaller than I am. I want you to rule over it. I want you to take dominion. Church, family, I want you to take dominion over the kingdom of darkness in your world. I want you to walk in your office tomorrow morning, not down and out, not depressed because you were looked over for the promotion, not wondering if it will ever get better, not hoping for something better. No, 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 I'm here to take dominion. I showed up today in the power of God and God's hands on me and I've got faith that God's going to do something. I want you to walk into the bedroom today of a child who's wayward, a teenager who's far from God, a 20-something, a college student who walked away from faith. I want you to walk into their bedroom and take dominion today and expand your faith today and believe if God could save them as a child, God could reach them as a 20-something. Walk into your home today and take dominion over sickness. You don't have to give in to the doctor's report. I don't care how bad it is. My faith is not in medicine. My faith in the healer. Jesus can do do anything. I'm bigger than that. I don't know if you believe it, but I am going to preach till I'm happy all about it. I'm going to preach till I believe that God has bigger plans. Paul would say the same thing to the church at Corinth, and it would be what I would tell you if I wrote you a letter today. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 6 and 11, he says, Dear Corinthians, dear City Hills, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. Hey, look at me. Christianity doesn't fence you in. Well, I can't do that. We can't do that. And I don't know. And faith. And I no, no, no. Paul said, no, no, no. We didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel in your life, it comes from where? Inside of yourself. The next verse says, your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. And then I love this. This is how I, you know that Paul was from the south. Because he said, Listen, I'm speaking as plainly as I can, but bless your heart, <laughs> you know, like with great affection. That's In the South, we'd say, bless your heart, Corinthians. Look at you. Just pitiful. Live, living so small. Thinking so small. Dreaming so small. God, I feel just believing God for so few. If I can just barely get by, we pray, we pray salvation prayers, and then we end up praying survival prayers. I just, God, I just need to get through the light bill this month. God, I just need to get through this season. No, no, no. God, I want you to bless me indeed. I want you to expand my life. I want that prayer of Jabez to be mine, that you would extend my tents out, that you would extend out the ropes and the tent pegs. You would make it large. You would extend and expand my, my territory so that you could bless me indeed. If you'll get bigger, write this down, if you'll get bigger on the inside then you'll get bigger on the outside. If you'll learn how to get bigger on the inside, you'll get bigger on the outside. If you'll learn how to open your heart and open your faith and open your mind and open your heart to the things of God, if you'll abandon small thinking in your life, 
You say, Pastor, what's small thinking? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. I'll give you three of them just because you asked. You need to abandon petty thinking. You know petty people? Look, look straight ahead. Don't point at them. Petty people. You know, one of my favorite memes on the Internet is the, uh, the picture of Richard Petty. And this is how I woke up today. You know, just Richard Petty, Petty. Are you with me, everybody? Petty people. Petty people focus on petty things. Petty people just, they talk about petty issues that contribute nothing beneficial or worthwhile. They have petty arguments on Facebook. They make petty accusations. They have petty competition. They're petty, petty, petty. Keep looking straight ahead because I'm going to get out of this in just a moment. They're distracted by petty thinking. Nobody talk to me. I don't like this place. It's too loud. I don't like this church. He spits all the time. I don't know why we're here. I don't even want to go to church. And it's petty. Pet Nobody there shook my hand. I don't know where to find anybody. It's too hard. It's petty, petty, petty. And you'll never have the big things of God if you focus on the petty things of life. You gotta abandon small petty thinking. You gotta abandon poverty thinking. Would you write that down? You gotta abandon poverty thinking. I get I don't just mean money. I poverty thinking is I guess this is as good as it gets. Poverty is has nothing to do with money, has everything to do with your mind. This is all we have. This is all we got. This is as good as it gets. This is what I'm supposed to have. This is what I deserve. No, no, no. I'm a child of the Most High God. My heart is for God. I'm living in covenant with God. And because of that, God's hands on me. He's going to bless me. He's going to take care of us. He's going to see us through. It doesn't mean we won't see hard times. It just means we won't walk through hard times alone. That God is always going to be with me. I'm not just going to get by. I'm going to have energy left over so that I can give you some. I'm not going to have a deficiency. I'm going to have extra so that I can bless you. Are you with me, everybody? You got to abandon small thinking, poverty thinking. You got to abandon stingy thinking, stingy thinking. I, this is just what I want. I, I got to hold on. Talking to somebody the other day who was a prepper. <laughs> I got to be careful because some of y'all here. And I want to come over. If the zombies come, I need some of your peanut butter. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> and I don't, crunchy. I don't mean to be, I'm, I promise, I'm not. I told you when I started, this book is how we live our lives. And in this book it says, I've never, the book says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I'm not telling you not to prepare. I'm not telling you not to, not to handle your business. As a matter of fact, I think you ought to. Times could get rocky before we get out of here. But I am telling you this. If you're living under the covenant and blessing of God, you're not going to have to beg for it. We're going to be the lender, not the borrower. God's hands on us. We're going to be the light. We're going to be the head, not the tail. We're going to be over and not under. When this world's crumbling all around us, they're going to come running to havens of hope like this. It's why we had to get a church. It's why we have to give more. It's why we got to build more pregnancy resource centers. Not because Roe versus Wade, but because women need hope and they need to know there's an alternative and God loves them and there's a church on their side and Jesus has a plan for them. Are you with me, everybody? 
We're not going to hold back. Come play, so I'll stop. We're not going to hold back. We moved into this building and our team sat down, our financial team. We have good stewards and, and, and we live below our means. And we do that. We actually run our church on about 60%, 70% of our budget. We do that so we can be generous. We don't do that because we store up treasure. Don't think that. No, it's because when I say we're going to double missions, then we just double missions because we live in margin. But it's easy when you move in a new place like this to sort of sit back and think, oh, there's more bills and more, and let's don't, you know. No, no, no. And we're going to give more than we ever have. I said we're going to give more than we ever have. We had all of our portable equipment. We were a portable church for five and a half years. I'll calm down. Next week, it's on the screen. It's, he, that guy on the screen is a lot calmer than me. <laughs> we had all of our portable equipment. We had about, I'll be conservative, we had about $100,000 worth of portable equipment. It takes a lot to pull off church. That we had bought and built over the last five and a half years. And trailers and cases and audiovisual and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff. And I instructed our team, actually I instructed Brody on, on my staff. I said, I want you to make an inventory list. We're going to sell that, reinvest, and, you know. And he did, to his credit. It was, he had an Excel spreadsheet on my desk. And, Pastor, here's what I think we can get, and depreciation and all that. And we had a church planter in San Antonio. I talked to his pastor, and I said, How, how's he doing? He said, not good. I don't think you're going to make it. I don't know what's going to happen. I said, what do they have? He said, nothing. I said, nothing. He said, they literally have nothing. So he calls, and he wants to buy all of our stuff. Well, I had already pre-decided that we were going to give it to him a lot less. You know, we were going to sell it for less than what we could. He shows up, and we load up the trailer full. We give him a trailer. We load up trailers, two trailers, and all of our stuff. He pulls out a check. I'm not telling you this for, I'm just. I said, no. I was praying this morning. In this building. In your seats. And I said, God, fill these seats over and over and over. Fill them up four, five, six, seven times. With hungry, hurting people. People who need hope. People who need faith. People who've lost hope. People who need the power of the Holy Spirit. God spoke to me as sure as I'm standing here. And he said, give it all away. And we gave it all away that day. And I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm just telling you, we're not going to live small. Because we got big things to do. We got a world to reach. We got single moms to care for. We have widows to feed. We have orphans who need homes. We have addicts who need deliverance and freedom. We have divorcees who need to know there's hope again. We have teenagers who desperately need a vibrant student ministry. We have elementary age students who need a biblical worldview. We got work to do. I'm not going to get hung up on a few thousand dollars. We got to be big. Proverbs 11:24 says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 
I wouldn't preach to you something we weren't living. When you stretch your mind, here's the last thing, write it down. When you stretch your mind beyond your current reality, you reach an expansive faith towards the future. The whole idea of today's message is to get you to just reach again. To reach into a future where you're healed and whole. and To reach into a future where you're making a difference with your life. To reach into a future where you have godly children who are serving God. To reach into a future where your marriage is healed and whole and put back together. To reach into a future where you have a new marriage and you found love again and God restored what the enemy tried to destroy. To reach into a future beyond sickness, beyond your diagnosis, find yourself healed. To expand your faith beyond your addiction that so cripples you from living in joy and peace and you reach for freedom and you reach for deliverance. To reach your mind out of poverty and lack to a place of blessing, not just for blessing's sake, but for the kingdom's sake, so that the gospel moves forward. I had a dream teamer call me last week. They said, Pastor, I, we, fu- we fulfilled our commitment to the building, but we're not done. I said, I don't know what that means. You fulfilled your commitment. What do you mean? Said, I, and I'm talking about generous. We're not done. I said, what? She, <laughs> so we were crying and praying this morning, and God said, take that same thing. And let's go to Africa with it. She said, I don't know where it's supposed to go, but starting next month, we're going to dump thousands of dollars to build Bibles. I've already started vetting. One of my jobs is to give you a missions portfolio, like a mutual fund, like a missions mutual fund. We'll find the places. We'll vet the people. And we're doing it right now for her. And there are going to be thousands upon thousands of people in Africa who go to a Bible school, an orphanage, a college, who have a water well, who have a church in there, who have the Bible translated into their language because somebody said, okay, God, now what? Okay, God, now what? Okay, God, now how can I? Okay, God, now expand my world. They're reaching into the future and changing lives. Church family, I don't want you to get caught in smallness. I want you to be big. Don't get caught in petty arguments. Right now is the time. It's an election year. Things are wild. Don't get caught up in petty We got bigger things. We got kingdom business to do. Don't get caught up in in, in thinking about yourself and don't get caught up in thinking, I guess this is as good as it gets. Oh no, there's more. God's always got more. Don't get caught up in thinking offense and I was offended there and they didn't. No, 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 no. God's got bigger plans. Don't get caught up thinking that he still doesn't have the whole world in his hands. He's still got your whole world in his hands. He still has your marriage, your children, your faith, your future children, your grandchildren. He's still got the whole world in his hands. Bow your heads for prayer all over the house. I'll close there. This message is for you. Would you just boldly just 
Put your hand in the air and say, I needed this. I need more faith. I need more faith. Hands are up all over the house. I need more faith. I need faith out of this situation. I need faith out of this problem. I need faith for the future. I need faith to know what to do next. I need expansive faith to know how to take the next step, what to do next. I see you. I see you. Hands are literally hands up everywhere, hundreds of hands. Couples with their hands clasped together saying, we need it. We need to know what to do. We need to, we need to expand. You can put your hands down, but open your heart to this word of prophecy. That God's not through with you yet. That God hasn't done his best work in you yet. You may be old, Abraham, but I've got children for you. You may have lived a lot of life, Sarah, but I've got grandchildren in your future. Abraham, there's an Isaac coming. And from Isaac comes Israel, the father of King David, the father of Jesus, the Messiah. I've got bigger and more and further This isn't the end of your marriage. This isn't the end of your hope. You don't have to fall into deep depression and worry and anxiety and fear. No, God's got it. I don't don't know how, but God's got you. So, Father, I pray for every hand that was raised and every heart that's attached. I pray for people who are struggling with faith today. I pray something I said over the last 35, 40 minutes would lift their faith. Lift their eyes beyond their current circumstance to see further than they thought possible. I would even ask that maybe tonight you'd give us some clear skies so we could see the stars. I pray for faith-filled people to walk outside their homes and stare into the sky and say, if you could do it for him, you can do it for us. Help me to dream bigger, think bigger, grow bigger, expand my faith in God. God, if you'll do that for me, make this your prayer. If you'll do that for me, I promise I'm going to be a blessing. I promise we'll leverage everything we have to serve and give and show up and be generous and help and spread the gospel. I thank you for a church full of dreamers. I thank you for a church who's stretching their faith right now. Now, If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I don't want to close this service without giving you a chance to do just that. Expansive faith starts with saving faith. You got to believe that God is. And the Bible said you got to believe He's a rewarder of those people who seek after Him with all their hearts. So if you need to do that today or you need to come home today and rededicate your life to Christ, let me lead you in a simple prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can pray it along with you. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I repent of my sins. I give you my whole life. Save me today. Come on, ask Him. Save me today. Change me today. Make me brand new. Be the Lord of my life. I pray all of these things, Jesus. I seal them all in the matchless, powerful, expansive name of Jesus Christ. And everybody shout a big amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. 
And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.